Brian, we talk a lot on this podcast about guest experience, but something that doesn't get discussed as often as it should, especially in vacation rentals, is guest amenities. That's right, Matt. Offering basic guest amenities like soap and laundry pods in every property is key to providing a great guest experience. The problem is, it's a huge pain for property managers to pull that off. From purchasing and storing everything to getting all those boxes kitted up for each home. No wonder we hear so often for property managers that turn days suck. That's why we're excited to be partnering with Sojo, who is on an absolute mission to make turn days suck less by automating your guest amenities. Sojo guest amenity boxes are uniquely created for each of your homes filled with luxury amenities, beautifully packaged up room by room, plus extras like paper goods and trash bags. They'll connect to your reservation calendar and ship those boxes to you right in time for every turn day. No more storing or kidding. Sojo takes care of you step by step. And Sojo is offering 30 days of free guest amenities to GuestX listeners. Claim your free amenities and learn more at GetSojo.com forward slash GuestX. That's GetSojo, S-O-J-O.com forward slash guest and the letter X. Go and claim your free guest amenities today. Welcome to the Guest X Podcast, where my co-host Brian Hamawi and I uncover the latest technologies and human-driven initiatives that are raising customer expectations and forever changing how we define customer experience. If you are passionate about creating incredible content and unique experiences, join us as we talk to leading product and experience experts across the globe and learn how today's most successful brands are setting themselves apart from the competition. What an intro. What an intro. My co-host. Incredible. incredible Mr. Guest Experience, Brian Hamali. Buddy, how you doing? You good? Good. You? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Really you, excited about today's show. Have you thawed out yet from the deep freeze in Orlando? Ooh, it was cold. How, how cold did it really get? 28. 28? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's not messing around. No, that so wasn't messing the, around. I walked outside and there was the, ice on the grass. Does yeah. your lake freeze over or do you guys heat the lake? Yeah, As we heat the You lake. heat the, okay, I figure. So the, yeah, yeah. the kids can still, you can get in your jet skis. And so, okay, so it wasn't that bad for the one percenters. In, you know, if, I could, if, I, if I could afford the jet skis, I would have gone out on the jet skis, <laughs> but not at this stage. Uh, oh, if I had Brian O'Malley's money, I would burn <laughs> Matt Loney's money. I am excited. This is going to be a really fun episode. So we met our guests for the first time ever at Focus Right and didn't really have a chance to do an episode while we were there, but we were so fascinated by the story that both you and I left, and I know we had it in our notes as, as something we wanted to do, and, and here we are today. So you want to do a quick intro, Brian? Yeah, I'd love to do a quick intro. So today on our podcast, we have Jacqueline Riley. She is the Global Director of Marketing and Communications for Club Quarters Hotels, Jackie has more than 15 years of global hospitality marketing experience, including a position as the Director of Hospitality Marketing for the investment management firm CGI Merchant Group, as well as experience elevating a portfolio of 12 brands for Charisma Hotels and Resorts across the U.S., Europe, Mexico, and the Caribbean, and launching Kimpton Hotels and Restaurants as a luxury brand in Europe. Welcome to the show. Welcome. 
Yeah. That is one heck of a, a, a resume. It's exciting to get you onto the show. I think we've got some really cool topics to talk about. Yeah, I'm excited and nice company to be with. I've been listening and you guys are talking to really cool people these days, just cats and all of them. So thanks for including me in the list. We appreciate it. Absolutely. So what I'd love to do to get started is I'd love our audience to get to know you a little bit. So if you could give us a little bit of your background and uh, some of the companies that you worked with and some of the work that you've done, let's get started there. And then we'll dive into uh, some of these topics. Yeah, I do think I have the, the best career choice in the world in hospitality brand marketing. So the way I think about it is really what I do is engineer a feeling. And that's really the core, the part that ties in with guest experience, but also digital guest experience. But then not only creating that feeling, but monetizing it. We're all in business. So how do you manufacture or trigger, set the tone for what you want that guest to feel, and then make sure that they keep coming back and splurge for the little extras and really go for all of your sort of lifestyle offerings. So that's kind of think about what I do. Um, I've had an interesting path to get here. So I was a young entrepreneur, started my own business when I was 23. Ended up selling that to go to business school to focus on international business. So that's also been um, a key for me. And then I've worked with, and like you said, private equity firms, great lifestyle brands like Kimpton, helped IHG learn the Kimpton ways and magic, which was also amazing and, and a great opportunity. Worked with resorts, worked with business hotels. I think it goes back to the thinking that really good strategy around guest experience needs to apply to all aspects of, of not just hospitality, but some other brands as well. It's been fun to see how transferable that thinking can be. Pretty cool, Matt. It really is. I, I have a quick question for you, Jacqueline. It just occurred to me as you were giving us your background, but I think it's important for people to understand, and you've had some great experiences of getting to both build guest experience really from the ground up, blank slate, yes. but also changing guest experience, either because the group maybe didn't feel like it was working or external factors like COVID. And we'll talk a little about what your newest venture is. And that's kind of a shift or a pivot in guest experience. But one of the mistakes, and I'd love to hear if you agree with it, but I think some people think you arrive on your guest experience strategy and that's it. But I I imagine it's a lot of trial and error, not that you want to just go at it completely blind, but I think some of it needs to be tried and figure out what's working and how people are responding. And I wonder if you could think back about some of the guest experiences that you've built and talk to us about how you got feedback and how you kept tweaking it until you felt like it was right. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's a, a really important question because the best guest experiences are always evolving. And when you think of branding and guest experience, it's guided by consumer behavior and psychology and what matters to people in the moment. So if you just set it and forget it, you're on your way to irrelevant. And I also think some of these sort of really cool early startups, right? I think you could say, maybe back when I started, Kimpton counted in that category, you know, that are very based on culture and sort of equate a really great culture with a brand strategy. 
And then as you want to continue to grow, you realize, oh gosh, we really, we have to write some of these things down. <laughs> we need to have some good tools. We need to have some right training that targets what we're trying to do here and then evolve it. And then I think it's so important to go back to what really does differentiate you? And that sounds like such an easy question and it's so hard. So Kimpton in the US, we said, uh, we're fun. We're a fun brand. We're all about these personalized, uh, ridiculously personalized guest experiences, things like that. And then what does that mean? And for a long time, old, my old Kimpton veterans will remember the leopard print ropes. So that was one of those things where you're like, oh, the robe in the closet. And then we started to scratch against upscale, upper upscale, maybe even luxury positioning. And all of a sudden that didn't quite fit for our beautiful boutique in Paris. So we had to say, okay, what is it? What are we really getting to? And it's that sense of surprise and delight in the closet, but maybe we need to scale up our fabrics and have a beautiful gray option, you know, things like that. I do feel like your guest experience and, and what that means in terms of a brand strategy is something that always needs to be evolving. That's really interesting because from a business perspective, you always have to be thinking about evolving as well. And a part of that is really understanding your brand. I think COVID has had a, a significant impact on a lot of businesses in various sectors, especially hospitality. I think you, an interesting story to tell about the effects of COVID in your current business and how you guys have had to basically rethink and relook at your brand, your target audience and come back out to market, which is something that is extremely scary for a lot of people to do. And sometimes put it on the back burner, not understanding that's really what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Could you talk to us a little bit about that experience? And, and just to be clear, I don't like bringing up COVID, but I think this is very <laughs> relevant. It's true. It's, and it's all about agility. And we've been living with COVID for so long now. I was able, I've had experiences with COVID at a resort, private equity firm, and um, a fairly established B2B business hotel. And, and they face similar challenges that needed to be solved through a unique brand lens. Interesting to see the company I'm with today, Club Quarters Hotels, has been historically a business-to-business -business model entirely. We've got a third of the Fortune 500 as clients. So going just directly to the Fortune 500, FTSE 100, set up a room night model and take care of your mid-level managers, travel in great sort of financial center, city center locations. Beautiful until your business travel just isn't there. So what Club Quarters has done is in the immediate aftermath before I was with the company, obviously started turning up the OTA buttons. That was, you know, you've just got to start to fill that hotel, of course, through the channels that are available to you. But I also really applaud the leadership because they took it to a very strategic place very quickly and realized, okay, we want to go after consumer business and undertook that sort of market study to see that there was an appetite for consumer business. The great thing about these sort of city center hotels that are so wonderful for banking and financial transactions is you're also in the middle of London City or um, right in the heart of downtown New York where tourists also want to be. We really have the infrastructure to be able to pivot to include consumers in that model. And it's been great to be part of the thinking of that. What does that look like? If we're going after consumers, you can't completely rely on the OTA. You need to build up your direct booking business. Think about your marketing. How do you use the channels that you have today 
in terms of just even my email marketing structures to reach out to this new consumer with an updated message. And so now we have things like Valentine's Day packages and spring break getaways. In addition, of course, to the core member benefits that we've always known and offered. And it's been great to see that experimental take where it's like, let's try this. Why don't we try a Black Friday sale? We had never done one as a company before. This year, we launched a Black Friday sale and brought in millions. Those are the types of things that can really change the revenue conversation and really make it easier for your business to adapt. That's a great example from Club Quarters. But I think there are even smaller ways that things like tone of voice matter. So that that sounds like such a small piece, but when consumers are going through something that rocks their world, I was with Charisma Hotels and Resorts at the time. We had a very formal cancellation letter that was going out. I had to stop the presses and just be like, we're all in this together. That was really important to say, we care about you. (laughs) We're trying to figure this out. So you guys know we're trying to take care of our employees and and just being a little bit more real and transparent. So it can be anything from a small adjustment in voice to a true pivot in terms of your overall business strategy, how you approach market share and whatnot. But the important thing is to embrace that level of change when the market needs it. Breezeway is all about uncovering initiatives that are forever changing the guest experience. Breezeway's best-in-class property operations and messaging platform helps do just that by helping operators differentiate their brand and deliver more service to their clients. Breezeway's smart messaging tools makes it easy to send welcome messages, resolve in-house issues, share status updates, and offer stay extensions and other services. Powering operations with messaging also enables automated text to notify guests when a property is ready for check-in, along with assigning work orders to your staff to second guests message in with a request. Combine the power of your operations with client communications and visit breezeway.io forward slash guest X to learn more. That's breezeway.io forward slash guest X to learn more. And I imagine that it has a deep effect on the company's culture as well. So not only are you changing the brand of the business or pivoting the business model itself, but you're having to rethink or reteach your employees and your staff and your team members on what that new strategy is. Was that something that was really complicated for the company or did you guys, was it a pretty seamless experience to be able to go from B to B to B to C? Yeah, I I think... Luckily, the company was in a place of wanting to reach out to more of a lifestyle consumer in general. So that certainly helped. So they were, you know, already deep in some design refreshes and things like that, that also helped us be able to make that turn. But really, I think it's been successful because we've said, um, we're not changing who we are, we're adding to it. So That's the way we've been talking with employees. So the great service that you're giving to our business travelers, the fact that they love our club lounges where you've got your free Wi-Fi, got your espresso machine, that also just gets applied to somebody a little bit new. And here's what you need to know about them. And here's the promo. And don't worry, we're going to send you all the things you need. But in terms of the messaging, it's been we're building on what you already do in a really effective way. And I think that where it's possible to preserve, that's where you keep those underpinnings of culture that everyone feels so connected with. But then you prepare yourself for a level of growth on top of it. It's interesting. And I've heard you say before that 
you are you're an advocate for running experiments at work. And I think what I hear when you talk about this is that the best businesses are always trying out different things in a way that doesn't hurt the brand, but in a way that is constantly allowing them to be testing where they can pivot in case they need to and how, what that might look like. And is that why you're such a big advocate for the experiments is that it allows you to stay nimble? Yes, big time. But And I think it's just, I think it's the way to keep up with everything today from whether you're selling a a resort experience with a closed resort, then you have to go, okay, we're going to shift to social media experiences just to keep our, our, you know, consumers engaged, guests engaged, all of that to those bigger strategies of who is your market. And I think it's something that people can be really hesitant about. Of course, we all want to do good work. We want to deliver. There's a strong tendency to look at precedents. And I just feel like what I've seen is the the pace of change in our industry is just so incredible that if you aren't trying out a few new things, if you don't have your have TikTok on your phone, <laughs> so you're ready when that wave comes, you may not be prepared. And so it was something that I think I was just personally curious. But the more I've run these experiments at work, the more success I've found right now. We're at Club Quarters looking at the loyalty program. Again, this is something that a lot of companies are looking at right now. It's all over the news. I think there was maybe a hotels.com article recently. But anyway, there's a lot of revamping happening in loyalty programs. And I think we've been on a journey in general to go from very transactional to more experiential loyalty programs. And what a fun thing to think, oh, maybe we could just jump in at this moment. We do have an established program, but we're also small enough, nimble enough that we could maybe add in some experiences, refigure how we recognize guests. We're talking about how can you reward people for referrals as you to try to grow, again, the base of this program. So all of these are grounded in a business goal, but um saying like, oh, let's run that as a pilot program. It has been one of my secrets to success over the years. I would encourage everybody to have a couple pilot programs. What I like, we do a lot of that at Explory. And what what I like too, though, is going back to the employees is that I feel like it also helps that culture so that when you do shift or you do pivot, it doesn't feel like the ground underneath them is moving because they're used to this. And, right. and I will say that I think that if that's the type of culture you're building, and Brian talks a lot about this, but if that's the type of culture you're building, then you need to find employees who embrace those types of cultures. Because we have made the mistake at Explory a few times of bringing in people who very much like consistent, constant, right. and, and that's okay, but that's not Explory. And we have to be honest with ourselves because when we've tried to put those people into roles, usually in the exit interviews, you hear things are always changing around here. And, and that's true. <laughs> right. it's, it's not incorrect. But if you create that culture and you have the right people who can enjoy that and they, they find the excitement and challenge in that, then it actually right. feeds the culture, the experimenting. Yes. And, and I do think as leaders, then we have several tools to make that a little easier on everyone too. So when you start to think about, do I have a regular meeting? That's my forum for where I share what I'm looking at and ask for ideas. 
And that sounds very simple on the surface, but if you start to be a little more transparent about what you're thinking about, I think all of that really helps for everyone to realize what happens. Also being transparent about what works and maybe what, we're glad we tried that, but that's not the future. Where you fail. Yeah. Let let your employees know that it was okay that we failed. But right, now we know. Right. Yeah. What- and it's all about we we learned that we learned that our guest likes a discount more than a value add today. Okay. <laughs> Based on various promos we've run. How valuable is that actually to set up like we're and and as long as you are advocating for the business, I do think going back to brand strategy, you need to make sure that everyone has that sort of basic understanding of this is who we are, this is what's acceptable, this is how far you can go off and try new things. But once you have that grounding, then there can be a lot of freedom and a lot of almost homemade innovation, which is, I'll tell you, having, having worked for IHG directly, they've got innovation teams. So if you can foster innovation on, on the home front, that's often what smaller boutique brands are doing and preserve that as a culture and part of your brand. That's very valuable. It's very interesting. I, I've been reading a book called Rituals by Erica Kesswin. I don't know if you've ever listened yeah. to that book, but she's got a series of books that are really interesting based around culture. And one of the things that she talks about is the rituals within companies. And so she's interviewed some of the top now 50 companies in the world and their CEOs from and startups and all of this kind of stuff. And it's really building a brand and rituals within the company to keep the culture alive and then being able to deliver that to your customer experience. And, and I think it's absolutely fascinating when you look at understanding your business and your business model and who you are as a brand to then incorporate that within your teams and then ultimately your consumers basically consume that those those cultural values one of the things that you talk a lot about is keeping your soul as you scale Mm -hmm. tell us about how uh, what does that mean right right and i think that's always desire right nobody buys a business thinking that they'll destroy it. But unfortunately, the reality can be that when you're trying to reproduce what makes a company great, you can sometimes actually kill that piece of it in the process. I was the brand marketing director for Kimpton in Europe. So got to oversee how a beloved brand in the United States, which was highly experiential, very flat, very entrepreneurial at the time, acquired by one of the biggest matrix organizations in the world. So talking Holiday Inn, everywhere you look, I think Holiday Inn is the largest brand in the world now. So talking about their incredible systems and reach, of course. So how do you blend those two things where the brand, the, the parent company with all of the resources is delivering this sort of hospitality company that's kind of a one-of-a-kind thing. So how do you actually do that? And that was such a fascinating job to have. First, there was a lot of learning, and I really came to respect IHG's commitment to learning about Kimpton and, and what made it great. That came from the top down. Then there was a lot of sort of sharing the brand, so getting to have those big meetings where you talk about what the brand is, but then you have to regionalize it. The labor laws in Europe are such that I cannot staff a restaurant the same way that I would like to in the United States, and that's just a reality. What are those key elements about 
restaurant experience that I can still bring in with a slightly smaller staff. And maybe that's an excellent cocktail menu, just other, other good touch points. Maybe it's all about the live music. We actually went through and regionalized all of our brand standards. And that was really key to going back to, okay, but what's really important? And we know we thought this was all really important, but of that, what's really important? So you really have to strip it down to the essence, um, then get a, still get the right people involved, especially for those first few projects, and then get very disciplined about how you prove the business case. Because Kempton would never have succeeded, even if we had beautiful hotels, if they were not profitable in Europe. So having to buckle down and really prove to the investment community that, yes, we might be asking you to spend a little bit more on design up front, but you're going to be able to charge this room rate and make it up within three years. Like that, that was what made this brand successful and um, packaging all of that up into a story that everyone can understand. So then it still comes back to what is brand is a feeling. So finding the right feeling that we wanted to create for the employees on the ground, the investors involved, and even the leadership. And that's why I think it was such a success story. That you say business or brand isn't just a feeling. Business or brand (laughs) is also a business. It's part of your business. Talk through your thought process on that, because it, it to me, it's interesting. I love branding. I love everything to do with guest experience, the brand, the emotive side of it. But if you don't understand the business side of branding, it basically falls flat on its face. And right. a lot of people associate branding with prettiness. It's just right. creative work, but it's not serious work. So maybe you can give us some insight into, you know, how do you think through brand and how does it affect a business? Yeah, thank you. Because there is a tendency to be like, oh, you just make everything pretty and that's not the case. Or maybe you write a bunch of brand standards and we put them in a notebook and we never look at it again. (laughs) That's also a wasted exercise, right? So really the most effective organizations treat brand as the conductor of the orchestra, really the one that owns that business function and owns what it can stretch to. I think a brand is really setting the tone for all the commercial decisions, all the marketing decisions, but also that core business case of what is our market? How do we add revenue streams? Is it a good idea to introduce a branded wine? Probably not. But thinking about those things, uh, where is our value? And I think actually we've seen that proven when you look at what's happened to the hospitality industry in the past 15 years, all of the value is in the brands. So all of the big companies have gone asset light. They've been acquiring brands, even during a pandemic. The value in our industry lies in these experiences that we're able to deliver, but the business thinking behind them. So it should never be divested as just pretty pictures. Brand strategy is really essential to your business strategy moving forward. And and that's why I believe that branding should be tied into all the commercial functions for a hospitality company, because it needs to shape that overall conversation of where you are and how you make your money. It's interesting because I think we struggle because Brand value is tough sometimes to put on paper. Account- accountants do it. 
they do it in the you know, goodwill on the balance sheet. But especially when you have some of these companies which are maybe run as you get closer to the top, typically these are accountants, MBAs, they like to see things that show up on spreadsheets. Right. Cost cutting shows up on spreadsheets. It is, it's simple. You know what the value or the cost of whatever you're discussing is and the value if you take it off. And I think you brought up earlier and I wrote down white paper, but to some extent, I also think though that it is the owners, onerous is on the marketing people as well to know that it's as important that marketing speak the business language and communications is for oh, yes. and, and understanding how you sell these things up and how you show the value of what you've created. People are spending more. Look, our hotel rooms are, they have an ADR that's $15 a night higher than XYZ brands. And that's what you're seeing there is the value of our brand. Right. As important as the business people understanding the value of a brand and working to understand that, not just looking at a spreadsheet. Right. It's yeah. true. I'm, I'm a big advocate of bringing business into marketing and marketing into business. It's why I went and got an MBA. I feel like we don't have enough business thinking often in the marketing side, but also I see great progress in linking together brand marketing and all commercial functions. Because once you start bringing things like your paid advertising spend, which is often going to be one of your largest marketing hard costs these days, and the tracking associated with that and the e-commerce platform associated with that, then you're talking about really the engine to drive all business to the company. We start talking about, you know, top of the funnel leads and, and then how we actually convert. And if that is really a a part of the brand function. It, it's sometimes an inversion to think of brand leading all of that, but brand and commercial together allow you to make the best decisions for the brand and then present the profitable business case. So I really think that is the future. I think really smart companies are setting up their structures to support that kind of brand thinking with the budget behind it and the ability to then prove yourself that that thinking has worked. Conversations it, somehow. <laughs> yeah, this, this conversation is very fascinating. We've got a lot of acquisitions happening in our space and vacation rental space specifically. And I think one of the challenges that you know Matt and I talk about is what brand exists in our space that really resonates with the customer. And how right. do you take that that brand and make it a trusting, trustworthy brand? Uh, a brand that is, you know, Airbnb did probably one of the best jobs in the last 10, 12 years of taking market leadership, but it all came through brand recognition. They built loyalty. And when businesses, especially smaller businesses, I, I own a smaller business. I'd consider, you know, Matt and Explory has a, he has a very successful business. It's still a small business, but starting to think through the expansion of his business right. and going outside of his regions. If you don't have the right brand strategy, it's very difficult to grow and expand into other marketplaces and take market share. So right. where do companies begin? Because not everybody has the resources to say, I'm gonna dump a few million dollars right. into Wouldn't branding. That be nice? 
Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to be all over the United States and my customers right. are going to recognize me and they're going to book homes or they're going to book hotel rooms with me versus some of the Marriott's or Hilton's of the world. So where should companies, leaders really start to think and dig in to their brand and where should they spend their resources trying to get that brand out? Like, where does it start? Yeah, I, I think the starting point always has to be your brand values. How important is it that personalized service is part of what you offer? Things like that. And then also, what do you do better than anyone else? Is it your great location? Like, and a hard look, you know, I would get all your stakeholders together, but then really come at it with a skeptical eye because you also can't fully make a brand by committee. So you want to get their input, but then say, this is really what matters. And it's five things. It's not a big list, but we can dominate here. Here's why backed up by some market research, if possible, maybe Google what you can, right? There's a lot of information out there. And so knowing what you can do in a unique way, backed up by what you think the market will bear. And then I would write it down in a one pager. And then I would start exploring ways to localize those values. So if you think you're able to take your small business in Florida and expand it throughout the Southeast, then I would start to get somebody who really knows that market in Georgia, get them on board with the big picture and then say, do your thing. Because that was also key. I have to say in Europe, we couldn't use the same tone in the press releases. We had to completely change the language, right? So as much as we want to sit in our office and say, this is it, this is the answer. We more often have to delegate it, but we can be scrappy in that, pay for digital marketing, make sure that you have a digital journey that re reflects what the experience is also all about, I think is important today. And then scale up where it works, keep running those experiments. <laughs> so that's my in a nutshell. <laughs> it obviously no, I, much more complicated than that. I love the idea of staying local, Matt, because that our, you know, vacation rentals is built on that premise, which is right. we're unique. We're unique to our market. Our homes right. are unique. Each one independently is owned by somebody else and managed right. by a different company. So the experiences are different. And trying to replicate that exact same experience and in different homes or different markets is near to impossible. So I think it's fascinating that even the bigger brands in the hotel space look at it as a very local exercise. Um, yes. You have to understand your local market because you're target audience is going for that local market for a specific experience. For, right, for right. Especially in the yes. leisure space, it's more important than I think in the business space where they're generally, whether I'm in New York or Chicago, if I'm there on business travel, my top five requirements of where I'm staying are probably pretty similar in both. But if I'm leisure traveling in New York, I want to see right. Central Park and I want to go down to ground zero and I want, but right. you but want a little more information. You need to know yeah. why people are coming to see you. And that really, it starts by, I think, to listening from the people on the ground. You've got to yes. listen to those people because they're living it every day, as opposed mm -hmm. to, to trying to make some of those decisions from a 50,000 foot view. Uh, it's true. Yeah. It rarely works. I'll tell you, right. I was opening a hotel in a Southern city and we launched the website. We had, we thought we had dotted all of our eyes and we were a little heavy on sort of Scarlett O'Hara style, stylized, Southern ST kind of language. 
And the people that lived there were like, do you even know us? This is not us today. And so we did a big mea culpa and said, please tell us what we need to know. Found a few key leaders in that community and invited them to, you know, help us with our, our language, invited them to have previews of the property, just all of that. And fortunately, we're able to really turn that around, but that's a key example and an easy trap to fall into, especially when you might be thinking, oh, leisure, you're wanting that Southern charm, but you don't want it to turn smarmy. Like, so those lines of what connects with the local community is it's an important piece to figure out and, and maybe you decide you can't necessarily localize for every single property but maybe at least your region you could have a different slightly different approach but again that still reflects your values and who you are yeah it's interesting yeah. that last piece because even uh time changed so what you thought was in the past uh southern charm now it doesn't isn't reflected the exact same way. So understanding yeah. your market, current market is it's right. But I do think I want to go back to two. I think Matthew made a really nice point about leisure travelers seeming to want a little extra intel. And um, that is also something that we've been noticing at Club Quarters. I, I think that's an it's one of my business experiments right now. Yeah. <laughs> trying to some local listings and um, enhanced blog content and just a little bit more if you're truly there to explore. And again, layered on in a nice way. So far, we haven't had any business travelers say, don't tell me about that great restaurant down the street, but we've organized the content in a way where it's there if you choose to pursue it and it's unobtrusive if not. But I think that's a really interesting point too, that as people are coming on their own, that we're certainly seeing they want just a little bit more to draw them in. It goes to, and Brian, you're a big proponent of this, but it goes to knowing your guests, why they're coming, what they're looking to do, yeah. and, and making sure that the solutions that you've created fit the problems that they perceive to have. I don't know where to eat. I don't know what to, where to go. I right. don't know where to buy tickets to certain things. Those and yeah, if you know why they're there, then you can more easily target the type of solutions they're looking for. So it always surprises me, I will say in the hotel world, how little some of these big brands know about the people who are staying. I, I was recently right. asked by a, a large brand to to provide some, just review some things and ask some questions and just let them listen in on the conversation. And one of the questions I asked was about their mini bar. And I was shocked to know that they don't keep track of what their loyalty members take out of the mini bars. You control all sides of that data. But I think, I just think that you get in business, you get busy doing a lot of different things. And sometimes you don't realize that the things that can quickly and easily move the needle are maybe right in front of you and you've already got it. You're just not, you're not leveraging yet. But um, right. Jackie, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. I, Brian, if I got off, Brian could talk for another couple hours <laughs> about, about branding and marketing, but we really do appreciate it. I, I think a lot of your advice is great. It's not based in spending a ton of money on things. It's about right. sound business principles and something that I think our listeners would really enjoy. If people want to reach out to you with questions, just pick your brain or, or maybe they've got opportunity, business opportunities. What's the best way to do that? I think find me on LinkedIn. More and more LinkedIn's my go-to. I'm Jacqueline Banks Riley on LinkedIn. So would love to start a conversation. 
Perfect. Well, I love the same thing too. Absolutely. Yes. No, it's a lot of fun. Thank you so much once again, Jackie. Really appreciate uh, it. And we'll have you back on so you and Brian can talk about some more. Nerd out on the brand yeah, new. That's Amazon. exactly anyway. you, you will. I'll just sit here because I'll have nothing to say. Thank you. Uh, thank you, guys. Absol- and thanks for what you're doing out there. This is such a nice resource for the community. So, well, thank you for saying that. We, well, we have a yeah. lot of we have a lot of fun doing it. Thank you very much. Great. That's it for this week's episode of Guest X, a member of the Hospitality Podcast Network. Be sure to sign up for our email list at guestxpodcast.com. That's guest, the letter X, podcast.com. And follow us on your favorite podcast app. We are Brian Hamaui, Mr. Guest Experience, and Matthew Loney, signing off and reminding you to always create a customer experience that's worth talking about.